Like my brother broke up with this girl and he told me what had happened. And basically there were like two parts to what my brother was telling me. One was I realized I was doing again a number of things for this girl that I didn't really want to do, but I was kind of sacrificing. And then I started noticing that she's not sacrificing back the way I expected. And I got really angry. And that's a pattern that, you know, he's had his whole life with friends, this whole like I'm disappointed in people. He had his whole life with friends, with other people. At first, oh my God, this person's so amazing. And then a year later, two years later, here's all the things I've done. And then they really disappointed me because in this moment where I expected them to behave in this particular way, they didn't. The second part to the conversation that we had was about his regrets for how he had that conflict conversation because, you know, it built up, build up, build up, build up. And then he went there and he probably spoke way too aggressive, way too hurtful, way out of terms. Then he leaves and now he's all full of guilt. Like, ah, the way that I handled this was too harsh and I was very hurtful and too aggressive into this. But now it becomes this whole fucking soup where it's like, well, should I go back and apologize? Should I make up and get together? Was I in the wrong? Am I in the right? But some of the things that I said are really mean. And it becomes this soup that's very hard to distinguish. Like, what is really going on? Do I feel so bad because I made the wrong? Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, but also you are wrong. You fucked this up. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm like, sorry. I don't for... <laughs> know if I feel so bad because the way I did it was wrong or because what I did was wrong? Is it the right decision wrongly executed or is it the wrong decision? Like, why do I feel this horrible? It's kind of tough to say that in those moments. Maybe we can put aside the question of is she the right one or not? I think it's clear that the way you handled that conversation was wrong. Like, you know this. I can tell he barely said anything to me about it, but it was so obvious, right? I'm like, that's fine, right? But instead of thinking, you know, why isn't she doing more for you? Or why isn't she sacrificing well enough for you? The question I think it's also important to ask is, why are you taking better care of yourself? Why are you not more honest with yourself? Here are you doing these small things for her that I'm sure as you were doing them, you didn't make a big deal of. Maybe even yourself, you thought in the moment, that's not a big deal. I can do this little thing. I can do that little thing. Kind of even like it to do this, you know? And then when you wanted something from her that was also a little thing and she said no, you exploded. You exploded with the righteousness of, look at this list I've kept of all the things I've done for you. Well, motherfucker, why did you do all that stuff if you didn't want to? Nobody forced you. She didn't force you. And why didn't you do it playing this theater to her and to yourself, that it's nothing. And you like doing it. If you like fucking doing it, why is it on the list of sacrifices, right? She didn't know because you didn't show her. You probably didn't know in the moment because you didn't allow yourself to see it. And then you explode and you punch her in the face with words, like you're like aggressive towards her and giving her all this blame. How dare she not do this thing, this little thing for you when you have done all these little things for her? How dare you not taking better care of yourself and sacrificing things you're actually not really ready and willing to sacrifice. You did all these things and you didn't want to do any of them and you were not honest with yourself or with her and then you're mad at her. for you And you kind of trained her to come to expect them, right? Because it's always, Absolutely. you always acted yeah. like it's no big deal, right? It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. She experienced you as somebody that likes doing these she things. She didn't 
ever get the sense that, wow, he's not like it, but he's doing this one big exception for me. Okay, I need to like mark this event. No, you just acted like every day is easy peasy. And then you explode about how hard your days have been. It's not her fault. You could have done this for another 40 years and at no point would she have thought, oh my God, let me make this little sacrifice for him because of all the sacrifices made. She didn't know, right? One of the reasons why he separated with his wife, one of the many reasons, is that they were married for 18 years. In those 18 years, my brother did a lot of things that in my eyes seemed, I don't know, like difficult and painful for a man to do for his wife, right? I was like, really, you're going handbag shopping for four hours on Sunday with your wife. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, I kind of like it. As he was telling it, he was like, oh, you know, we went shopping. You know, it is happy wife, happy life. And oh, it was kind of cool. I like it sitting at the Gucci store and they bring you a little espresso and I'm on my phone. I'm doing my own thing. And she's looking at bags and I'm like, I kind of like selecting them and telling her I don't like this. I like that. I'm kind of the final judge. It's kind of Oh, it's interesting. You mean, and the entire time to me, it felt all false. I'm like, all oh, this is bullshit. This is your sense of having an amazing Sunday, really handbag shopping. That was it. And that's so much fun. All the other men on this planet just don't get it. <laughs> this is fun. But, you know, I never really challenged him too much on it. And I was like, okay, sure. And there's a huge list of things where my brother was like, ah, you know, we did this because the children wanted it. And I'm like, did you want it? He's like, oh, I don't mind. It's kind of fun. Actually, it's kind of fun. And yeah, I also kind of like it. 99% of the time, they were doing things that his wife or the children wanted. And he was always okay with it. He was never like, oh my God, I had to do this thing. It sucked. But, you know, the kids loved it. That seems like a normal person. My brother always loved it, was always like happy with doing these things. And one thing though that he could not overcome was that for like five years or so, he was really struggling financially with his business and he had to take like all kinds of side jobs and he was working his ass off. He had really like five years always at the brink of bankruptcy, waking up at 3 a.m. to go and pack the UPS trucks before going and opening his store. Like he did. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did UPS truck packing for three years every day from 3 a.m. to like 8 a.m. And then they would go and work all day in their own shops to make an extra 350 bucks or some 400 bucks or whatever. Like my brother's eaten some shit during those years. And during that time, I mean, both my brothers had these difficulties because they were running small businesses together and they were all struggling together. But my oldest brother's wife, she was just quiet the entire time. You know, she was just like, we're struggling, we're struggling. You know, I'll have to deal with it. And my oldest brother was a tyrant during that time. Like she bought a Nutella glass that was not in the budget because he would give her a very specific budget. She was like four euros over budget and he almost killed her. She got like, she had to go to the Nuremberg like fucking trials to, you know, pass that grave, grave uh, fucking crime that she did. He was very hard to himself, but also to his wife. And his wife just like, you know, dealt with all of it. For my middle brother, his wife was giving him shit every day. On top of all his pain, she would be complaining and telling him that, look, we can't afford anything. Look, we can't have this. Look, because you're not running your business well, because your business is not doing well. We are suffering. The children are suffering. She was like handing out the verbal beatings on top of his struggle. And he took it without a word because in his mind, he was thinking, she's right. What can I say? We are struggling because I suck. We are struggling because I'm not successful. We are struggling because I wanted to get into business for myself. So I have to become successful and right this wrong. And until then, 
any beating she hands out, I have to take. That's the way he thought about it. But in his mind, he was thinking one day when I'm successful, then I'm going to get the benefit of that. As she's spitting in my face now, she's going to be kissing my feet once I've made it. Then I'm going to get the admiration. Like, oh, my hero, you've made it. <laughs> yes. You know, your laughter is revealing all of it. You know, how misguided. But we're all doing this in one way or another. We're all these stories. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, human yeah. that is acting. Yeah. And it's so difficult when we're inside yeah. to see one of these things, yeah, right? Yeah. And we are the one doing it. So he's like, you know, this human that acts this way today will act a totally different way in the future when the <laughs> circumstances change. No. So eventually he became very successful and he started making a lot of money and things got much, much better. And nobody fell on the floor to kiss his feet. Surprise, surprise. She just stopped complaining about money and was complaining about other things. But at no point was she like, oh my God, you made it. I'm so good. And then, you know, they started having expensive vacations. She started being able to afford expensive stuff that she always wanted. They got a bigger house. They got this, they got that. And he was waiting for the like the big moment where this whole thing changes and it didn't. And then he thought, well, fuck this then. And he got divorced, right? That was kind of the big heartbreak. He was really hurt by that because for years and years and years was waiting for his triumphant moment where his wife would acknowledge him and give him praise for turning things around and now giving her and the family such a great life. And when he started giving them a great life, she started complaining about something else and he lost his shit. That is what always happens in those situations typically, right? Like the person stays the same. It's not the circumstances. So anyways, he, in this case, started a new relationship, starts again making these tiny little sacrifices, but pretending to himself and to the person probably, it's not a big deal. I can do this. Well, I can be picking you up from work and driving you because you don't have a car. Or I can be sleeping less to come in the morning and see you and do this and do that. Oh, I'm okay that, you know, as she was living with her ex-boyfriend that she had broken up two years before they met. So they meet, they start dating. And then she's telling him, hey, two years ago, I broke up with this guy, but we still are roommates. I don't have a lot of money. He doesn't have a lot of money. There's nothing going on between us. I don't care. It's like my little brother now, but you know, I want to move out, but I still have to save money for it, this, that, and the other. And my brother, again, he was like, okay, probably in his mind thinking, this is not ideal, but I just met this girl. Like, I'm not going to make a big scene and kind of logical. And all right, she came out right away and tells me about this. And if things become a bit more serious and then she moves out, that's fine with me. You know, it's, she seems trustworthy. You know, all these things that one could tell themselves in that kind of a moment. And then in his Especially mind... if you like the girl, you want it to be okay in your mind. Yeah, you want it to be okay. Yes, yes, yes. And then he's thinking, for whatever reason, he's getting the impression that after her big vacation in the summer, she comes back and then she's going to start looking for apartments and move out. Now she's coming back from her summer vacation and they talk about this and she's like, no, I spent all my money on this vacation. I'm totally broke right now. And yeah, I want to move out, but just financially... I don't know, maybe next year or something. And then this is another thing that's like turned from, okay, you know, to now I want to kill somebody. Like I'm angry at DEFCON level 10. And my brother, for as long as I've known him, he's been, in Greek, we say apotomos, which is interesting that there's even a word for this in Greece, right? Because I don't know of a word in English or in German. Apotomos is a personality type that is, you might call it explosive. This is the kind of person that is quiet, 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 and then explodes. Like everything is fine. And then they fucking lose their shit and scream around. They're the type of person that's always nice, always smiling, always good. But when they get mad, they become a Hulk. They just fucking lose their shit. And it happens in one moment and in an instant. It doesn't build up. You have no warning signs. It just happens out of nowhere. What's the word again? 
Απότομος. Απότομος. It's a great word. Απότομος. A great word. Yes. But probably this is a very Greek thing as well. I don't know. Like some people are just very explosive in Greece. And my brother, for as long as I've known him, he's always been nice, 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 nice. But when he gets angry, it always instantly goes to death content. Like just instantly, he will say the worst things in this world. Like I remember as kids, he would just kick in the fucking door, like break things. He would explode very rarely. Mostly it was like nice and quiet, nice and quiet. But then when something, when he tipped over, there was a big explosion. And I always tried to tell him for a while now, this explosion happens because there's a long buildup. It doesn't fall from the sky. It's not some sort of like natural phenomena. Oh, thunder. Who knows where that is coming from? Like it's, yeah, it's like, building it's like up a inside of you. breaks and it's like collecting water over you. Yeah, because in his mind, he's never asked himself, why is this happening? Or, hmm, I wonder, I guess I'm holding on to much things. Oh, I guess I'm not in touch with my anger. Oh, I guess I'm not noticing early enough when something's really upsetting me. No, in his mind, he's like, I was not upset. Everything was perfectly fine. And then you did this thing. And that was it. It was just too much. I'm not the kind of guy that takes shit. So when you give me too much, I explode. And it's like, but that little thing that somebody did is not that much. Yeah, but look at everything I've done for them. It's like, well, then that is the problem. All the things you think you've done for them. That is the issue, right? And I mean, when you've trained your whole life to not notice yourself, to not notice your anger, to constantly trespass your boundaries and your limitations, you see limitations and your boundaries and borders in a completely distorted way. You think they're way out there when they're very close to you. And so you constantly are disrespecting yourself. And it's hard for you to see. That's why you don't see see it and that's why other people can't see it either people like can't you respect you and you don't want the dog to sleep in the bed with you but every time when he does you're like ah oh, just this one time you know it's, it needs it now yeah, and yeah. you do that for five years right <laughs> you're still telling yourself every time like, oh, he's not sleeping in my bed but just there you know <laughs> how can the dog know Yeah, just this one exception. Yeah. You know? The thing is like in his mind, he would get angry because he was thinking, look at everything I've done for you. You're not respecting or recognizing these things. And it's because look at yourself. You didn't see, you didn't recognize what all these things were to you. That is the problem. You were doing them, hating doing them. You were agreeing to them, hating agreeing to them. And then when you asked for something, you expected that everybody will do everything they hate because you do it too. And it will be a sign of their love and respect to you. And when they say, no, I don't like doing something I hate, you lose your fucking mind. <laughs> you just explode. You're like, how dare you? But they didn't know. It seems like almost this is like the perfect matching puzzle piece to your older brother in that regard. Maybe yes. the opposite, right? Yeah. Yes. It's exactly the opposite than my oldest brother. Because my oldest brother, the thing that one can learn from him and that I now have come to admire in him is that, see, my middle brother will say yes to things, although he doesn't want to say yes to them because he wants to be loved, right? Because he wants to do this thing for you because he loves you and then expects that you will do great sacrifice. He will be repaid. His constant thinking is like, I'm going to get repaid in life. 
at one point, I'm going to get repaid. That's his model. I struggle with this sometimes as well, not in all areas of life, but in some areas of life. But it's not because I want to be repaid. I never care or think about that or because I want to be loved. It's because parts of me, like when what I want or what I don't want is not logically reasonable and quote unquote good, wise, smart or attractive, I have a hard time showing that because I want to be smart, mm-hmm. wise, cool, and attractive. If I want you, Ramin, to say, Steli, your hair looks cool today, right? Which I don't right now, but I mean, sure, you can tell me this. And you make a joke, oh, your hair looks a little funny. Like, let's say I went to the hairstylist, got a haircut, come back, and I really need somebody to tell me my hair looks good. But you tell me, oh, I didn't even notice you were at the hairdress or you got a haircut. Let's say that's what you say. If I feel a sting, If this hurts me in that moment, my issue is I can't express that because Uh it's so laughable to me, right? Because I'm like, I can't be this way. Yeah, Yeah, I want this thing, but I can't live with the truth that I want it. So I will hide it from myself and from you, right? I will suppress it or I will construct some theater that will justify my feelings and behaviors in a different light. Because the real reason I'm not okay with, I don't like that this is what's really going on inside of me. This is why I sometimes will do things I don't want to do or will not live my full truth because my full truth is not something I kind of like. Like it's not something I agree with logically. My old this brother does not give a fuck, does not give a fuck both about being liked or respected or by being good or logical or fair or wise. He will come to you and say, Ramin, I want you in this partnership to be paying me to be investing a hundred bucks a month and I'm going to be investing 10 bucks a month and we're going to be 50-50 partners. And then when you go, well, that doesn't seem fair. He goes, I don't give a fuck. That's what I want. That's the deal. And then you go, well, but why should it be then 90-10 or this or that or the other? And he goes, I don't give a fuck. That's the deal. 50-50, you're 100, me 10. You go, well, but discuss it with me. He goes, there's nothing to discuss. This is the deal. I want this and this is what I want. Right? He'll be in a relationship theoretically with somebody and go, I am going to have eight affairs with other people. And every day I'm going to come home. I want you to always be excited about having sex with me. You cannot even leave the home. If you have a look at another person, you're a piece of shit and I'm divorcing you and you're the worst. And then the woman goes, but this is not fair. And he goes, I don't give a fuck. These are my rules. This is what I like. This is what I want. Right? Take it or leave it. This is what I want. Take it or leave it. Now, to also be fair, I've always judged my oldest brother harshly for that because in many ways, I would never want to be his partner, right? Either in business or his, you know, intimate partner. I wouldn't want to do certain things with him. Most likely, he will never be able to get me involved in any project because of this, right? Because I'm like, fuck you. This is too selfish for my taste. Like, I don't like this and I'm never going to allow this. But what I admire is that he is not a afraid to show his full face to anyone where I would hide all of this from the world. Like if he has this conversation with you, Ramin, he's not just going to have it with you. And then when his friend talks to him, hey, what about the Ramin and your partnership? Are you guys getting into business? I don't know. I told him I want him to pay 100 and I'll pay 10 and we need to be 50-50. He seems a bit hesitant about it, but this is what I want. And then the friend will be like, well, dude, but that's not a fair. And he's like, he will tell everybody this, right? He'll go on a podcast telling them about this. (laughs) He does not care, right? 
he'll be invited on a TV show and tell them, yeah, well, with my wife, I think that she's a horrible uh, wife because she looked at another man like, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of affairs, but that's different. Like, he will not be like, well, you know, let me edit myself a little bit because I'm going to get judged here. He doesn't care. He does not give a fuck. Now, there's something to be learned here. Like something I respect about at least the courage to be like, this is what I am. And I know, and he knows, he's not dumb. He's like, I know this is not cool. I know this isn't fair, but that's how I feel. This is what I want. You don't have to, you can leave, but this is what I want. And there's no debating this. There's no discussing. There's no negotiating. You don't get a little bit and I get a little bit. I want this and I want all of it. You take it, you leave it, right? There's something to be respected there and to be learned it's from very it. very clean think- in a way where like internally clean, very few people are that clean in that regard, right? In that regard, yes. Now, again, do I admire his selfishness? No. Would I want to be his business partner or his intimate partner? No. Fuck no. Would I ever, if anybody comes to me and goes, should I go and partner in a business partnership with your brother? I would never tell anybody, yes, no matter how much I love my brother, I'd be like, no, fuck no. I can't advise anybody to go into a business partnership with him because I don't think the way he approaches things is cool. It's too selfish. But where it used to be that I looked down on him just as this like selfish idiot, like I was just like, you're such a selfish idiot of a guy and I'm way above you. I looked it down at him very arrogantly and my middle brother was angry at my big brother. They were always fighting because they're also always in business together, you know, and <laughs> yet another person in my oldest brother and my middle brother's ex-wife, very similar in personality in some ways, right? Not surprisingly. Interestingly, that my brother would always look for people in his life that have that trait, that very clear on what they want and very focused on that and not that that interested in giving up things and sacrificing for others. And he would find them and sacrifice for them, which they would enjoy because they need people that are willing to sacrifice themselves for them because all in the business of taking, not so much at giving. And he would be giving with the expectation, one day I'm going to get repaid. One day I'm going to get repaid. One day. <laughs> because he's not a total pushover. He is a very strong person. Eventually, he would just lose his mind and then break the relationship. But this pattern kept going. Now, The funny thing is, at some point in my conversation with my middle brother, I asked him, I said, independently from you handling this conversation poorly and being very abrupt, very maybe hurtful in the way you told this woman all these things. And maybe also she was not at fault here. She did not commit any mistake. She did not hurt you. She did not rob you. The pain you feel from her is self-inflicted. She didn't do these things to you. You did these things to you, right? So it was unfair to go and punish her verbally when she did never do anything. There was no shared agreement. There was just like an expectation that this is what you do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I understand your brother because I've never been like this. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm glad you're not like this. I've never been like this. And I've never felt your wrath or your resentment because you were like this. So independently of all that, my question to him was, is the person you want to be with, are you sure that that's a person that will be very warm, very giving, very loving, very acknowledging, somebody that will sacrifice for you, somebody that will like do favors for you? Do you want that kind of a person? And he's like, absolutely. That's why I divorced my wife, because I want that in my life. And I'm like, do you think this girl that you were dating, that she's that type of person? And he's like, no, she's just like our oldest brother. I'm like, well, then that is one thing, which is maybe you selecting a type of person. And there's a pattern here that you might want to stop selecting. You know, a lot of the relationship and sex therapy and whatever books that I've read, a ton of times psychologists refer to this pattern that we often go seek a partner that won't give us the thing that 
we didn't receive as children from our parents as well. But right? we wanted, and now we want the game it. is to find someone where we can play, solve that dynamic, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that will convince to give us the thing that we were always denied. And my brother definitely as a child always wanted a certain type of acknowledgement that he didn't get. Right. My oldest brother was always very loud and strong. He was a very kind of dominant character and he was the oldest of the three. So he was very capable and was getting responsibility and had a voice and everything. I was the youngest and I was kind of the shiny new toy and the talented one and the cute one. And my middle brother fell into the typical pattern of like the forgotten middle. He was also more shy, more quiet. So in the family, he would not get a lot of acknowledgement, not get a lot of attention. I think the immediate family, my mother loved all three of us quite equally, but she was just paying more attention to the oldest and the youngest. But I think in the more broader family, aunts, uncles, my grandfather, my grandfather was a very important man in our family tree. He was like the big boss in the family. Patria. The patriarch, he actually always kind of thought that my middle brother is an idiot, right? He never said anything, but because my grandfather was very kind of charismatic, loud, energetic, strong man, and my middle brother was a more sensitive, quiet boy, and then his brothers were more like their grandfather. So my grandfather was taking a liking to us. I was his favorite. I also had his name. He was always admiring the oldest courage and strength. And my middle brother, I don't think my grandfather knew what to do with him. He's like, uh, this is what my brother always thought. And as I think about it, I can't disagree with him. My brother always thought that our grandfather thinks he's a little dum-dum. You know, he's not that sharp. So my brother lacked that recognition. Also, my oldest brother actually took on when my father died a father figure role in the family. Now, I rejected that. I don't know why and how, but from day one, when my oldest brother was like, all right, I'm the man now in the family and I'm the dad now here. I looked at him and I thought, no, no. <laughs> I don't know who is, but you're not it. But it's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's not you, buddy. Like you can scream and do anything you want, but you're not it. You're uh -huh. not it. I never looked up to my brother and I never looked at him as like a dominant figure that I was trying to please. I really very quickly and early on in my life figured out you're not it. You're not the male figure that I'm going to try to emulate in my life. My middle brother actually accepted him as a father figure and was trying to please him. And my oldest brother was always a bit of a douche to my middle brother telling him he sucks at everything. He can't do anything well and he's not good at anything, right? An attraction that my brother found again and again and again. Now that I think about his friendships, like some of his best friends that then ended up not lasting as friendships, were very dominant, very egotistical, all good people with good hearts, but people that were more like in the camp of, what do I want to do this weekend? I want to do this and this. All right, everybody, let's do this and this. And, you know, my brother was just like, all right, let's do what you want. But then when my brother needed them or wanted something and felt like he had earned the rights to get this from the other person, these people were saying no, right? These people were like, I don't want to fucking do this. Sorry, but no. And then my brother was always heartbroken, always like, wow, I'm disappointed. Look at how disappointed I am. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean you are disappointed in somebody? Oftentimes, we would assume that this person did a crime. This person acted in a very unfair and ethical way. And so they deceived me. And now I've discovered this deception or this. But what is it really? Like, were they deceiving you or were you deceiving yourself? Were you not looking, not recognizing, yeah. not wanting to Especially see? Especially if it's something, I mean, sometimes people disappoint you, right? That happens. But if it's something that happens again and again and again, 
with most of the key people in your life, maybe it's not them, right? What a concept. <laughs> it's not them. But sometimes as we grow older, we kind of get to this sense of like, oh, people are just X, right? And then for some people, it's disappointing. For some, you know, it's all kinds of variants. But I feel like that's a, a great lesson when you arrive at some conclusion, all people are. It's like that tells a lot about yourself. That, 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 that says a lot about you. And so, you know, there's a lot to be learned about why are you picking the kind of person you're picking? It's not their fault that they are the way they are. They're actually totally fine being the way that they are, that they have to figure that out. What made you go and seek out the kind of person that will inflict a certain type of pain in you that will then cause havoc in your life and trauma and anger and drama? Is it really as much them doing this or are you doing this to yourself, right? And then why? And then when you make sacrifices, to make others happy. When you think of yourself as very giving, as very loyal, I find that, you know, there's certain things people say that surprise me, like, oh, I'm a very honest person, or I'm a very loyal person, or, you know, I'm a very giving person. These things to me are kind of red flags because most people I know that are incredibly honest or incredibly loyal or very giving never say of themselves that they're any of this, right? I've never until this very moment thought to ask myself, Stella, are you a loyal person? I've never even considered thinking this question, but I instantly can tell you, yeah, I am. You won't find anybody that will tell you I'm not sticking to the people that were there on day one. I'm not taking mm -hmm. care of people. I'm not having super long-term relationships with people and investing in people. But being loyal is not a thing I'm thinking about or I would attach as part of my personality. Just like honest, I think I'm a pretty honest person, but I would never say those <laughs> words out loud. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm also too aware of all the bullshit said it, I was like imagining some people saying it and saying, oh, yeah, it's typically not the people who are that say they are. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just that. So when somebody's like, you know, I'm very honest, it's typically like, God, this person is not honest at all, right? Because they have to bring it up. They have to convince themselves and others. So there's a great insecurity here. There's something that you're trying to distract from. But even with people where a lot of people say that about them, everybody's like, oh my God, Ramin is so giving. Oh yeah, Ramin is very giving. Oh, Ramin is always happy. This is the happiest person ever. That is again, a red flag. Ramin is probably not really as giving because when it's natural and honest enough, authentic, it doesn't come up funny enough as like this big shining thing. Let's just think about somebody that would always come up in certain circles as like the happiest person we know. Oh my God, he's always so happy. Oh my God, this person's so happy. And then it turns out the person is depressed, right? Things that people would say about me, like think about the things that most people say about me that don't know me and then you hearing those things, you know, your opinion of them. Oh yeah, you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. You know? I find that the things that we are most known for and maybe also especially admired for is this one thing that everybody, random strangers, people that know us a little bit and people that knows really well. They all just wave this one thing. Oh, Stelly is always helpful. Oh, helpful, helpful, helpful. Maybe this is the thing that I do so much. I so overdo this thing because it is not true, because I'm trying to please everybody, because I've done it as a child and somebody told me, oh my God, look how helping you are. This is such a good thing. And then I was like, okay, I have to do this as much as humanly possible because this is the way I'll receive love this in life. This is my way of getting that thing that I want. 
Yes, maybe this is the way I'll get what I want is by doing this thing. And then maybe if I help everybody on this planet, eventually I will feel okay inside. It's like that's a never ending chase. You will never fill up inside by giving to others because of this reason, because you're trying to get back a certain feeling of love and wholeness this way. You'll only get that by giving to yourself, by loving yourself and helping others in the right moments for the right reasons, but not habitually always to everybody at any time at any place. And so when everybody is like, oh my God, this person is so loyal, it's like something is wrong here. Or when somebody says, oh, I'm so loyal, loyal is very important to me. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's important to you. Maybe there's still things to be learned and discovered on the journey yeah. on this topic. And these things we do asking, why do I do them? What is the point of doing them? Right? And what do I expect in return? What do I wish in return? What is that urge that I have? Oh, I can't say no to people. Why can't you say no to anybody like right what is good about this oh i just don't want bites the story that you tell yourself is like i'm such a good person like this is the underlying message is like oh i'm too good of a person to say no i'm too good of a person to do this i'm too good of a person to do that and it's like no you're not right you're probably not and you're suffering away because you're pretending to be because nobody is we're all not that good of a person in no way and in that way there's a lot we can learn from my oldest brother because he knows he's a piece of shit right? he knows in many areas that he's like a selfish prick at least he's like okay with that, right? Now, it'd be nice if you try to work on getting better, being less selfish, being less overpick. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I'm shining a very dark light on him, but he's a fairly good person, right? He's not robbing banks out there. He's a great father. He's done a lot of good as well. He's like, I love him as a brother, but he can be a bit of a prick at times. It'd be nice if he knows how big of a piece of shit he is and constantly wants to get better. I think that's the right approach overall, like knowing who we are, our insecurities, our weaknesses, our selfishness, our irrationality, our dumbness like we're all kind of pretty stupid like we're little stupid dum-dums like in most cases we're just fucking blobs of flesh meat you know little jelly pieces held together by skin and we think like this is so sophisticated like oh, i need to be some uber human god-like zen-like creature uh, no we're not like we're not that smart we're not that kind we're not that loving we're not that helpful and it's fine if we can figure out who we are as good as we can figure that out this moment and then we can try to work on both allowing that to be true and to be shown and seen and working, chipping away at improving it step by step in little, little movements. That's a lot for one human and for one lifetime. And the final thing that I told my brother on the phone call, because he started beating himself up at the end, he's like, wow. Again, the same mistakes. Again, although I just came out of a divorce, da da da. And yeah, no, now I got it. And then he went from <laughs> beating himself up to now trying yeah. to convince himself, now I learned it. I will never make this mistake again. I don't need to be insecure. I don't need to be afraid. We've learned this lesson. Everything is going to be good forever now, right? Because of that, I instantly had to finish the conversation by encouraging him and telling him, listen, you have lived 43 years years of your life, you know, doing this thing, unconsciously developing these habits. Many, many of your relationships were all built on these dynamics, on this kind of a dance, on this rhythm. Let's say now you want to change the rhythm. Now you want to change the dance. You want to change you. It's going to be awkward. And it's once in a while, music playing that everyone else is dancing to. <laughs> and once in a while, you'll get back to the old dance. It's not the end of the world, right? If you make this mistake again, a bunch of times, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you're a bad person doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're not changing. It just means you're human. Congratulations, right? Like, don't beat yourself up about making the mistake. At least now you're aware of it, right? When you do it. Like before you were doing it completely unaware. You didn't even know you do it. Now at least you, you know, you're consciously. 
you went from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, but there's still ways to go to go from conscious incompetence to conscious competence to unconscious competence, right? From the, I didn't know I was doing this mistake to now I know I'm doing this and making this mistake to now when I pay attention, I don't make this mistake to now I never make this mistake, right? There's these steps that you have to take and it's totally fine. Definitely the water that feels the coldest, right? When you're swimming in the pool of conscious incompetence. Yeah, it sucks, but the the mistake that we make, we either beat ourselves up, like he started, be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm still doing this. This beating up is not making you more yeah. competent or more conscious. And the flip side of it, of that same coin, is also not fucking good, which is the convincing yourself that it's over. Oh, I'll never make this mistake. Now I know I'm a pro. Mm -hmm. I can I can do this perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make mm -hmm. you better at this either. Both these approaches will only make the struggle bigger, right? Because you're trying to look away from the struggle. That is the struggle of conscious competence, the struggle of, you know, when you're learning to drive a car that you have to think steering wheel, new mirror, change the fucking lane, look here, look there, do this, do that. Yeah. Everything is awkward. You're mm -hmm. always a step behind you're making mistakes, you want to avoid that and pretend that everything is smooth, you're going to have a car accident, right? Because you're not at the level of unconscious confidence yet where you can just sit in a car and drive. So accepting that this is the phase you're in and that it's fine. You got to look at it and see like, all right, now I got my inner work cut out for me. I, I know what I'm working with here, right? And I was writing with a friend who just recently became mom for the first time. And we were writing back and forth. I was asking, hey, how are things going? You know, it's a fucking baby. Like you're now a mother. Like this is kind of a big deal. And as far as I can tell, oftentimes it comes with lots of struggles. It's not a carefree package. So I'm like, hey, how is the thing? You know, how are you doing? And she was telling me, you know, I mean, I know everybody's saying how big of a struggle it is, but it has not. I am sorry. Like it's been so wonderful and things have been really amazing and things have been really nice and everything is really good. And I said, well, that's awesome to hear. But you know what? In case the struggle will start a little later for you, if at some point there is some struggle, that won't be the end of the world. You will just have discovered that you're also a human being. Congratulations. I, for most of my life, was terrified of the idea of acting or being like a normal human being. was terrified of it. But I've learned just recently to accept the fact that it's okay if I act like a normal human, you know, because I am. I'm not above you know, any. That, well, you know, half God is kind of half human, half God, you know, <laughs> you know, I will let my believers say this about me <laughs> instead of saying it myself. But I cannot disagree with the truth in your words. But the reason I said this to her is because she's also the kind of person that is always uppity up, always helpful. Everything is always good. And I'm sure when she told me this, it was an honest moment. And maybe also she has a really magical first early time with her child where everything's just super smooth. That can happen. I could imagine that really being the case for somebody. That's totally awesome. But I would also not be surprised if she's the kind of person that the things that aren't good, they are suppressed. So they are good. And all I wanted to tell is if it's going to happen in the future, it doesn't mean anything. If you're taking a great amount of pride for how effortless everything is, when effort starts, you don't have to be in panic or the beautiful thing that you have is not threatened. You're still an awesome mom. This is still an awesome baby. Life is still awesome. You're just a human being. That is all you have discovered. You have not discovered a grave, fucking terrifying truth. Oh my God, it is not good. Oh my God, I'm not as awesome as a mom. No, you've just yeah. discovered that you're a fucking human. You've not done this 10 times before. 
before. Even if you did, every child is totally different. But this is the first time you can't be in the conscious competence category. And with parenthood, that might not even exist as a category you can grow into. Like just effortless, always doing the right thing. Ha, ha, ha. Like I can't believe that a human existence always perfectly competent as a parent through all the stages and all the craziness of life and what it means to be a human. So if you realize or recognize, this is a big part of inner work that people trip over. This is a big tripping wire, a stone that's in the way of lots of people when they do inner work. When you discover something about yourself that you weren't aware of before, oh my God, I did not know I'm always doing this manipulative thing to myself and then that causes this kind of struggle. And I didn't know this shit. When you discover that, now you went from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence. Now you know this thing that you don't do well or you didn't know you were doing wrongly. Don't fall into the trap of trying to either beat yourself up and make this the reason why you're bad, the reason why you're not lovable, the reason why you're not enough, the reason why you are not worthy. Don't use this as an excuse to punish yourself and beat yourself up to a pulp. Because that's not going to make you better at anything. That's not going to help. That is also not the good Christian thing to do. You know, I'm very hard on myself. This is something I've said before, and I sort of took a weird pride in that. Oh, I'm very self-critical. I'm my worst self-critic. That's dumb. I mean, there's something good about that, but there's also something really dumb about yeah, that. Yeah, saying if I'm you my worst self-critic is actually dumb, but... <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, you should yeah, be... Yeah critical with yourself, but only to the degree that you're also very forgiving and encouraging. Because if you're just critical, you're not improving yourself. That is not going to be the road to improvement. So don't just beat yourself up. And also don't instantly try to jump to competence by convincing yourself. Now that I know, I will never make this mistake again. You know what I mean? I've done this 10 years, no more. Now that I know, I can't believe I was this kind of person. I'm not this kind of person at all anymore. How could you be this way? I will never be this way. I've never made... Don't do that. Chill the fuck out. Take a breath and tell yourself, now is the time to suck at this for a while as I'm trying to learn how to get better at this or how to change this. But I will make this mistake again and it will not be the end of the world and I'll try to improve step by step in little chunks and we'll see how this will unfold. That is the only right way of thinking about this. Hey, this sucks that I've been doing this. It sucks that I've been at fault in these areas or that I've manipulated my life or that I've committed these mistakes. But now I'm willing to work on this and I'm willing to be a little shitty at it while I work at it because eventually I'll get there. That is the right approach to doing the inner work after you had a big inner insight, a big discovery. Like you uncovered a big incompetence, unconscious incompetence. Now permit yourself to be a human and to make small improvements and to at times have uh, moments where you fall back to old habits and make recommit these mistakes. I'll never make the same mistake twice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe if you're a god, but if you're a human, you are guaranteed to make the same mistake twice. There's probably not a human being that has not made the same mistake twice. Like twice is even you're at the top if you make a mistake five times and then you stop, you are a superhuman level of productivity and learning. Most humans make the same mistake thousands and thousands and thousands of times in their life. If you make it hundreds of times and then you stop, you're pretty fucking dope. And if you make it tens of times, you're a superhuman. Like, this is bullshit. I'll never make a mistake. I make mistakes, but never twice. Bullshit. It's okay. It sounds a little bit like self-helpy, but for me, really help. Like, 
whenever I find one of these things and I really care about it and I want to change that, I kind of in my mind remember a couple of times when I was like in one of these moments. And then I imagine what would the new version, right? What would the better way be of acting? And what would I say? And how would I say it? And at first, it's actually difficult for me to even imagine that, right? But by kind of mentally going through a couple of scenarios, it just helps me to one, be more aware of it when I'm in one of these situations and then to actually live that more easily. I think that's a dope suggestion. I think that's a good suggestion for the preempting. Before I get into a similar situation, anytime I negotiate with a customer, I give in too easily. Okay, now that I know this and I know the reasons why I'm about to go into a negotiation, how would this new version of me act? That's like a preemptive. That's dope. I'm giving you the postmortem way of dealing with it after you've not been as thoughtful, mindful, and present, and you just fell into the same habit. The aftermath, when you realize that, see, I believe that if you don't beat yourself up as much, if you just go, oh, okay, made the same mistake. Let me repractice. Let me see. Maybe I'll need to work more on it. Maybe I need some reminders. Maybe I need something else. If you expect to recommit the mistake, if you expect to suffer a little bit, to stumble, then when it's happening, you're less likely to avoid that truth. You're less likely to look away and pretend it's not happening, right? You know, it'll suck. It never tastes good to make us the same mistake again, but it's not going to be the kind of thing that you think if I swallow this, I'll die. It's a knife, right? You'll be like, yeah, it's a little bit of a shit sandwich, but I can eat it. Like with a little bit of ketchup, this will go down with this Coke and I'll learn my lesson. That it becomes a much easier thing to digest and work through and recognize than when we pretend it's this axe that I'll have to swallow and it'll kill me. And then either during the act, I punish myself too much or more likely I will pretend nothing happened. Like I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm this way. And then I never think about this again. I'm like, oh, I don't think I act this way again. And everybody around you is like, oh my God, he's still the same person doing the same thing all the time. And the person doesn't want to see it anymore, right? Because they're too terrified. If I accept that I've made this mistake again, what does it say about me? Who am I then? Then I'm a total failure. I will never be able to be good. And I don't want to accept that. I can't handle that. That's overwhelming. So I will just pretend, no, 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 no. This didn't happen. This is actually also one of the things I love about you sometimes. like Because when you catch yourself, most of the time what you do, you kind of make fun of yourself like for doing that and you take it very lighthearted, at least in, you know, a lot of conversations we have. I'm sure there's also other things. There's lots of other things where I don't do this. I also have gotten a lot better at this. I'm slowly improving in this regard. I think I've always been very harsh on myself when I would notice some of these behaviors, but also believing enough in myself that even as I was punishing myself at every punch, I would think one day I'll be over this. Like I know it. Like it was kind of a punishing, but it doesn't hurt as much when you don't believe that this is your destiny forever. With none of my mistakes, I have a believe it's my destiny. I always believe I will do better one day. I might fuck this up another thousand times, but I will do better one day. I will not allow not to do better. And I believe that I will do so. That helps tremendous amount. And so the things that I was ready to share with the world, you know, I definitely take a deprecating approach to it now more and more because I've started looking in all the areas that I've never looked at. And I started believing more fully that there is no thing that exists 
exists in this world that's also not part of me. There's no thing I despise or hate or dislike that is also not part of me, that I also have in me, that I also do. It doesn't matter how little. And that that's fine. That's totally okay. As I started to live that philosophy more and then notice it more, I have started to laugh more about myself with myself and with friends. So I've definitely been having a better, better time stumbling. I've never had as good of a time stumbling as I have now. I don't like it, but I am <laughs> laughing a lot more. You know, I'm definitely yeah. laughing a lot more with all my stumbles these days than I used this to. This actually also ties back to what we said before, where, you know, if you're honest with yourself, that you'll make this mistake again, and then you have more awareness and you catch yourself earlier and at the smaller things, it's easier to laugh about it rather than when you're totally unaware, you do it again and again and again and again and again. And then there's like one big thing where you do it again. And because it's so big, then you see it. It's a lot harder to laugh about yourself when you really fucked something big yeah. up. I mean, imagine my brother marrying the same woman again, like a different woman, but the exact same character. Mm -hmm. And then having mm -hmm. another 18 year marriage where the auntie realized mm -hmm. for 18 years has been suffering and waiting for something. Wow. There is not much room to laugh there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could imagine him laughing in his 70s about it, but it's not the <laughs> ha ha, how funny is life laughter. It's yep. more yep. of a, this is the way a man laughs before he throws himself off the building, <laughs> you know, or in front of a train. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a funny laughter. When after 20 years of suffering, you get out to then just get in for another 20 years of suffering and realize that it was all self-inflicted. You just went to that prison. You just stayed in that prison cell. But the entire time, the doors were open and you hadn't committed a crime. I mean, wow. You know, maybe three years in, you absolutely knew already, oh, I'm in that prison cell. But you couldn't admit it. You're so like, I'm never going to make that mistake again. So you stay another 17. See, in that sense, many people, it's actually better if they at some point don't admit it to them. It is the right strategy. At a certain point, it's the right strategy, potentially. This is something that reminds me of Zorpa the Greek, the book, right? Where he's having this argument with his boss, the young Buddhist idealist. And his boss, like the young idealist, is telling him how he wants to take all the mine workers that are working for them and enlighten all of them. And then maybe start a new kind of community and a new kind of life and a new kind of spiritual awakening with them. And Zorpa Zorba is like looking at his boss, shaking his head and just going, what are you talking about? These people are sheep. These people are dumb, despicable. These people have terrible things. All they want, they don't want to know it. They just want to have a bit of bread, a bit of wine. They want to laugh and they want to look away at all these things, who they really are and the meaning of life. And they're not ready to be awakened and enlightened. They want to be asleep. Let them be asleep. Let them live their life in peace. They're not ready for all this profound things that you want to impose and push into them. They're not ready for this shit. They don't want to know these people will be destroyed if you showed them the mirror of the truth and wisdom and they looked at who they really were in their life. They would be destroyed. They just want to be left in peace. Just leave them alone. Now, I know that there is, you know, you can argue on this, but on some level today was a day where there used to be a time where I was very extreme with my belief that everybody needs to know. Right? It doesn't fucking matter. You need to know the truth. It doesn't matter 
matter if you're 80 and if this will destroy you. It doesn't matter. You should know the truth. Today, I'm not saying hide the truth from people or not or decide what people can handle or not handle. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that, let's say my brother chooses another woman like this and starts in the same habits. And I tell him, hey, don't you think this is kind of similar? How do you really feel? Are you taking great care of yourself? How about this? How about that? And he, let's say, fights me on all these things. And I bring it up again and he fights me and you bring it up. At some point, I leave it alone. Let's say after 40 years, he breaks up with her or divorces her again, right? He's in his 70s. And then he tells me this whole story of the real reason why it didn't work. And it's totally different than the last time. I might test. You think there was anything that was similar like last time? I might test it. But if he fights me on it, I will leave it alone. Because in that moment, I'm thinking, he knows. He seen all the shit. He's lived it. He knows. He's just saying, I don't want to know. I cannot handle it right now. I could not handle it right now. Who am I to force it up on him? Like maybe he couldn't handle it right now. He has to decide himself. Now I can be a loving mirror and showing it in a way that's like, and it's okay if you look, I think you can handle it. But if he decides to turn around, then I'm also okay with that. Maybe he's not ready to handle it. Maybe he's not ready to see this. Maybe he couldn't handle it or he's afraid what would happen. And who am I to decide that he could? Maybe he couldn't. I don't think that everybody can handle everything. I think everybody's handling what they can. At any given moment in time, we're doing the best we can, as good as we can in this moment. I didn't believe this. I always believed that everybody could always do a lot better, which in some theoretical parallel universe, yes, there is the potential to do better. But the reality was that you couldn't because if you could have, you would have done it. Now, it doesn't mean that in the next moment you can't do better. But in the past moment where you didn't, You obviously couldn't, right? You couldn't because you did not do it. Whatever was stopping you was stopping you. Now, in your mind, you're like, what's stopping me was not a good reason. Doesn't have to be a good reason. It was just the reason, but it was stopping you. Who isn't doing as good as they can? Nobody. Everybody's doing the best they can that moment. Now, everybody could do better in the future. Try a little harder. Push themselves more. Surrender more. Challenge themselves more. Everybody can be better in the next moment. But in the past moment, you were just the way you could have been because otherwise you've done it differently, right? And so if somebody I love today, if I get the feeling that they're not ready to see this, then maybe they're not ready to see it. And that's fine. As Maybe that's okay. Who am I to impose that everybody has to see the truth the way I see it or face that challenge? Maybe, maybe not, but it's their decision at the end of the I day. I think the, the hardest kind of litmus test in that regard will be our kids. Our children. Oh, yeah. This is easy to say, very hard to do. But, you know, I don't know of any examples of somebody enforcing a truth that the other person really doesn't want to see and then succeeding in some really positive way in that. Don't know of any of these examples, right? I was telling this to another friend who was trying to help a friend with a drinking problem. And I was saying, listen, it sounds to me like, let me ask you, did this friend with a drinking problem say, I'm having a drinking problem? And they were like, no. Like, okay, did this problem with a drinking problem come to you and say, I need your help with my drinking problem? Like, no, what are you doing dragging this person from the streets into your home and now making them your project to help them get over the drinking? What made you take on that job? Nobody asked you to help. Well, but no other friend is helping. And I know that I'm the kind of person that can help. And I'm like, you can't do shit. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we can help anyone. I don't only believe that people can help themselves. Now, we all need help sometimes from others, but we need to be ready for that help, open to it. This friend doesn't seem open yet 
back doesn't mean that they're never going to be open. But right now, they're still drinking when you leave. They're breaking your rules. They're not listening when you're talking to them. What are you creating? You're creating more stress. Maybe you're in the way of this person healing. Maybe this person has to hit rock bottom before they can change. And you're preventing that from happening by taking them in, putting that person on your couch, feeding that person. Maybe you're making it worse. Who knows what that person needs? You don't know. I don't know. That person might not even know. Enabling. You thinking you can impose the truth on somebody. Any case that I've ever heard or seen of somebody being in real trouble and then getting out of trouble through the help of others was a case where that person said, I am ready to see the truth. Now I need help. I need to change. I've never heard of a case of somebody going, I don't have a problem. I don't need to change. And then somebody coming going, no, you change. You're going to change. You're going to change. And then they're like, they change forever. And it was a good story. When they take the drug addicts and they force them into an intervention and then they force them into like a clinic. And then they are sober for like two, three months or something. They come out of the clinic. They're like, oh yeah, I'm really glad I did this. And then they go back and to they taking kind drugs. Of almost give them the scripts, right? They're like, oh, yeah. this is kind of what, what people say in this situation. It's, oh yeah, yeah I, I did so many things wrong and I fucked up. But now I see, you know, I, I know what I did. They say all the right things. And I'm really glad that you intervened. I was not seeing that I had a problem, but you came and you saw for me and that helped me and it saved me and thank you. And two months later, they're back on the streets on drugs. It's always when the person's like, I fucked up a million times. A million people try to help me. I never took any of that help. And then there was this one moment where I decided to open my eyes and go, fuck this. I need to change right now. Those are the cases where people really then five years later, 10 years later, they still have changed. And maybe in that moment, that person that needed help from people, right, that often times is the case. But if you're not ready for the help, all that those people that are helpful are doing is creating more problems for you. And then the question is, why the fuck? And the question is that I asked this person, I was like, what are you running away from in your life by dragging somebody from the street into your home and making them the core focus of your life now? Is there something you don't want to look at yourself? This must be giving you something. What is this giving you that you can't get somewhere else? Like, I totally understand trying to help somebody you love or somebody that's your friend. I totally understand that. But when they say, I don't have a problem, fuck you. And you say you have a problem and they don't agree. And then you bring them into your home. And you say, you live here, but under one rule, don't drink. And then every time you leave the home, they drink. Then you come back, you're like, oh my God, I saw you drank again. What do I have to do? Here's some books I bought you of not drinking. What are you doing? (laughs) What is this? This is so much drama and pain. And think about all the things you're not doing. You're not going to the gym anymore. You're not tackling your own projects. You might not be as good of a daughter or a friend to somebody else. You're sacrificing all these things for nothing. This person says no to your help right now. Why are you forcing them? Why are you trying? Trying to impose your truth and your help and yourself into their life, although nobody asks you for it. That never works. When people are ready for help, you can help. It's the same thing with like teaching people things. I used to think some people are like these amazing teachers, or I'm even thought of myself as an amazing teacher that has helped these people so tremendously. I am and I'm not. Everybody that has truly learned from me and transformed and gotten real value from it would have gotten it somewhere else, maybe as well. It was them changing, it was not me changing them. I was the right voice, the right words, the right person in the moment that they chose to be ready. You know what would have happened if I didn't show up to give a speech? They would have picked up a book or listened to a podcast or watched a YouTube video of someone else because they were ready for the lesson and they would have picked up on the lesson. They were ready to pick up on the fruit and they were walking in the field. I'm not some unique apple tree. I'm just one apple apple tree. 
Yeah. The I, one like, golden they, apple in the field. They, they, pick, they pick my apple and they ate it and they're like, oh my God, yeah. this is so nourishing. There's many, many, many apple trees. And it was the person picking the apple from the tree, biting into it, saying, I'm hungry, I need this. It's nice to be able to offer this to people that are hungry. But the idea that I made them, I changed them, I helped them. No, they helped themselves, they changed themselves, they learned, they evolved, only they can do it. And the replaceable component in the equation is the apple tree is you like you it could have been many 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 apple trees that would offer that now it's important you exist important that i exist as somebody that teaches to offer more versions of this because there's enough hunger in the world for these kind of lessons and some people that are ready will find their truth in that moment for me maybe quicker or in a better way in a faster way whatever it is there's not like that apple tree just because it doesn't have the golden apples that are the only ones that can nourish a human is worthless and not worth anything but i think it's when we confuse who's actually doing the work who actually matters here. It's the student, it's the patient, it's the friend, it's the kid, it's the daughter, it's the person that needs the change and then gets it through you. And it's not you giving it to them, right? You're not the person that walks around has figured out how to change people. Nobody can change other people. They change themselves, maybe through you, maybe with you, but not because 